In this week's episode of the Investors Corner, me and Mike are joined by Tom and Fez, who are mortgage brokers with over 20 years combined experience. Now, the reason why we wanted to get Tom and Fez on is because there's a lot happening with mortgages at the moment. There's jumps in swap rates, there's rises in interest rates. So we're going to dive in to what exactly is going on in the mortgage world and what their predictions are going forward. We'll also have a discussion about is enough being done to educate younger people on the financial aspects of life. So is enough being done regarding mortgages, savings, how can they get the deposit to buy their first home without relying on mum and dad. And Mike will also give us an inside look into what his experience has been recently in regards to the Dubai property market. So make sure that you're listening to this one. Make sure that you subscribe to the Investors Corner. Welcome to another episode of the Investors Corner podcast. Today, joining us for a second or third time, I think, we've got Bez and Tom, experienced mortgage brokers, to talk us through what's going on in early 2024. Is it just clickbait headlines or are mortgage rates going up? Are swap rates going through the ceiling? Are deals being pulled? Is it the beginning of the end, lads? Where Mike's, are we? Mike's full of, full of confidence there yeah. from Mike. They have gone up a little bit, but it's a very small amount to me. So, yeah, it's not been enough to, to slow any kind of business down that I've seen. And it's a lot better than what it was last year. Um, I think people come out of the blocks pretty quickly in January and February to ask you um, in terms of mortgage inquiries that I've seen coming through. Um, a lot of people just coming out saying that it's the beginning of the year, we're thinking of making a move at some point this year. Can you tell us how much we can borrow and what the monthly payment's going to be? And that's been very, very busy, even though the rates have gone up a little bit. So spot rates have, have gone up a bit, but it's it's given the banks enough room to reduce rates like they did at the beginning of the year, which has been good. So no, I don't think there's any sort of bubble that's bursting already. Well, Twitter will be disappointed. Um, so you're going to say, yes, yeah, the end. That's it. We're done. <laughs> not, get get, the, get <laughs> the views up. Get the clicks going. But uh, yeah, obviously not. It's often less um, exciting than the headlines make it out to be. And I think because there's been so many sort of micro changes, it's easy for, um, it's easy for, for media institutions to get carried away with it and, and try and bring people in but in reality when you when you dig into it or if or if you have a bit of a finger on the pulse it's it's not quite as dramatic when you get down to the pounds and pence yeah of what the yeah. difference really is um then it's it's not so bad and i think we we have observed that from coming out of january and going into february there's almost this kind of instant just tick into yeah. mm. um into a, a slightly higher rate but but i think that's that's indicative of a January market in terms of lenders. Lenders will have a mini price war. and Bit of a January it, sale. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then they'll kind of rein back and, and Tom and I were having this conversation um, and then one of the points he made was often when they when they sort of hit a particular target, they'll rein it in a little bit by increasing rates and just sort of letting somebody else <laughs> have a crack at the mm. win. Um, they need to keep their service levels at a stage where they can um, underwrite them quickly enough and it's it's a tale of time they do it all the time if they're too busy they will just stick the rates up and slow the, the flow coming in um, but also they know that there's some niches where you just have to take clients to a certain lender it's going to be we'll take it or leave it the rate's gone up yeah. you've got to go through Halifax HSBC anyway because you just fit that 
kind of criteria. So it's almost a bit win-win for the lenders. They get to slow their, their um, workload down and if someone has to go to them, then they pay a high price for it, basically. So yeah, that's that's quite normal. And also, we just had really, really big drops at the beginning of the year, like, mm. like that 0.8 drop from Halifax, literally, I think, the second week of January. They, they, they did the 0.8 for the headlines, allocate a certain amount of money or numbers of loans that they're going to do, and then they'll step back into the into the shadows, let someone else take the heat of the of the market. Mm. What we've seen from an agency side is very much the same. The sentiment is there that people were delayed last year in making decisions that they wanted to make. Now things have settled. Yes, they've settled a little bit more expensive, but the key is people are confident that there's a bit of consistency. That mortgage rates are probably going to be about the same this month as next month and the month after. And probably into the summer, and then we'll see where we are. Obviously, with the general election mm. at the end of the year, but people would rather get the move done, get the mortgage rate booked before any other periods of instability, mm. which a general election generally, obviously, causes mm. in the housing market. <laughs> yeah. um, the world will stop for six weeks while a general election goes on. So that's what I see: is the people who wanted to do something last year but were slowed down by it because maybe they couldn't port their mortgage, they needed to borrow more, are now doing that. Mm. So January, February, from an agency point of view, whether that be investors or be residential buyers, has been really, really positive. People making good decisions. Mm. I think what we saw before is people wanting to hold out to see what happens within the mortgage mortgage space. But what we've seen now is that you just need to get on and do it don't you and jump into it there's never going to be a time when everything is going to be perfect and i think more people have started to realize that now more people are just getting on with their plans rather than just putting their plans on on hold because you're never going to get to a point where mortgage rates are going to be what under three percent again if that was three and a half percent something like that it's not for a long time so just get on with it with your plans and just get it done and get on with it you need to move it's and they're yeah. holding off all year, and they're still, you know, might just need more space this year, yeah, having kids and that sort of thing. But um, also, I think the rates will stay. I can't see them going up much higher because the banks need to lend because they their net lending last year was way yeah. lower than they ideally like it to be. So they need to make up their deficit. The number of sales under offer year on year is up sixteen percent. So that's the first what seven weeks of the year where are we something like that yeah, seven or eight weeks yeah. of the year we're six 16 percent up year on year which probably will equate to about one hundred and fifty thousand houses if it carries on over the year which will bring us back lo and behold just above 2019 funny that um <laughs> so we've gone through the period where we sold way more than we thought and then a period where we sold way less than we thought so those two average themselves out and we're back to a a, a normal market again where does that leave buy-to-let investors in the buying or selling process? That's the interesting question because obviously much maligned buy-to-let investors from a government perspective. Mm. Andy's not going to. I'm not going to invite Andy to talk about the renters' reform. Bill. Please don't. <laughs> um, I've had enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I think. Just to go back to that point, the 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 general rhetoric this year is a lot more positive than it was 12 months ago. Um, mm. So there's definitely that, rightly or wrongly, that feel-good factor coming into the into the market. Um, and I think last year was a really good education piece for anyone with a mortgage or anybody aspiring to get a mortgage because all of a sudden it wasn't 
as straightforward as it's been in the last 15 years. Okay, maybe not 15, a little bit shorter, mm. than, let's say 10, uh, or the 10 years prior to that. And um, people were a lot more clued up uh, in general. And I think whether that's you know mortgage advisors on podcasts banging the drum or influencers on social media or, or, or just media publications just posting relatively mm. useful information that wouldn't normally really make it out into the cycle. So that conversation has, I think, helped people to understand mortgages more and and make um, better decisions. So there's there's definitely that carrying into this year. And, um, you know, I remember dealing with uh, a particular buy-to-let client last year where the, we we had no idea what was going to happen to rates. So, so we reserved something very early on hmm. and then monitored the market for him um, over the next um, six months. And actually, come the end of that six months, there was some much better uh, rates out there. So I think people kind of learned to get ahead of the game last yeah. year. And I think that's something that they'll probably, that's a habit that they'll carry on into their mortgage journeys and future mm. and this year as well. That's a really healthy habit to mm. have um, <clears throat> because at the end of the day, if somebody doesn't approach us, we we don't know their situation. We, we can't help them out. But I think it's really helped instill in people that, you know, the earlier you get ahead of the game, the the earlier you start making inquiries and figuring out what's available now to what might be available um, a little bit later on, then the better situation that you'll put yourself in. And and I think that's um, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to take. I think into it's the that's it's financial education, isn't it? Which I think there's a a huge amount of the population aren't blessed with a financial education, which is that kind of common sense of okay. The news has been talking about interest rates going up for two years now, and I still see on my Facebook people shocked in local community groups that their mortgage is going up and they need to remortgage by next week and who can help them, which does genuinely blow my mind because there's so much content out there. And I was just before we came in saying my mortgage is up in, in October, so I need to get my rate booked in April so I can then sit on that confidently, plan ahead. I've got eight months to plan ahead for it going up. And if it comes down between April and October, well, my broker can just do a bit more work for me mm. and 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 re reapply for a better rate and keep doing that. As you say, keep assessing that every week or two weeks. Am I in the best position until the clock ticks down to zero? Mm. And that's I I genuinely think everybody should be doing that, and everybody's broker should be shouting it from the rooftops of this is where you are. But I think a lot of people, maybe they don't have brokers, maybe they don't have a good relationship with their broker. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I mean, a lot of people that I've spoken to recently in regards to mortgages, whether it be friends, family, um, or, or investors. Well, you, you, had a, you had a landlord the other day say, I need an extra £1,000 a month rent because my mortgage is going yeah. up shortly. It's like that. You shouldn't. You've been making. You've been making about fifteen hundred quid a month for the last yeah. three years on a fixed rate. Yeah. Where's the money gone? Yeah. Like, and it comes down to that educational piece, doesn't it? And having the right people by your side to guide you through that journey, because the people that I've spoken to don't speak to brokers. Mm. They only go directly to the lenders. As in, if you've got a broker and you've got that personal relationship yeah. with that broker, and they've got access to a wide variety of, of products. Those are the people that you need to be speaking to because they will look after you. Mm. You know, going direct to a lender, they've got their their products, not necessarily going to 
hold your hand and look after you and guide you in the right way, aren't they? Are they? It's just these are the products opt, yeah. opt into one. As in a broker will hold your hand through it and guide you through the process. So that is the importance mm. of what you do yeah. and why you're here to, to help I people. I think to, to add on to that, uh, you, you make a really good example of what happens when you go directly to a lender is is they can't give you that advice on mm. the whole of the market. And, and I think for me, that's what's really important is yeah. going to a broker that's got access to every lender and can help you make a more informed decision. Otherwise, yeah, in, you know, there's... There's an argument to say, well, why don't I just go to my bank? Um, mm. And and that's one that people will always make is why don't I go directly? And I think often people forget that there is there's intricacies within a mortgage application that are easily overlooked by somebody who hasn't, you know, mm. learned how to do that process. There's there's something that's probably not shouted about enough from mortgage brokers that. If they're part of a mortgage brokerage, quite often they'll get a better rate from the Halifax or Nationwide than you will get from Halifax or Nationwide by mm. going directly, yeah. which seems totally counterproductive yeah, from the bank's point of view. They'll pay you for the benefit of giving your client a cheaper yeah. rate than they could have got by walking in through the door. Yeah, and, and I think to counter that, there's times where there might be a better rate if if the client goes directly to the to a the same lender mm. in which case the, the broker will disclose that so um well now it used to be with some banks it was about 50 50 in terms of uh, applications going through their direct channels and going through a broker i know for that nationwide that was about 75 80 percent going through a broker now um and i think that is going the same way with a lot of other lenders mm. good broker should be to have some yeah good communication and also just like empathy to be able to put themselves in that person's shoes I would like to be ahead of the game, so I'm going to put you ahead of the game. Let's lock this deal in six months or four, so you know it's not going to get yeah. any worse than that. This right? is this is worse. this is your worst case yeah. scenario. Yeah. Like, so there's no point not doing that. Yeah. Like, that's a position I'd want to be in. So yeah, my client that position as well. So when you get it's quite scary here, people leave it till two weeks before. But because at school we learn like algebra, science, that sort of thing. I'd like to know what, what mm. is a mortgage, what is tax, or that mm. sort of thing. Yeah, so just talking about the financial side of side of things. So I read a news article yesterday, I think it, yeah, yesterday, um, about more people aged between 25 and 40 are becoming more reliant on mum and dad to buy their first property because they need the deposit money. Now, do you think more could be done for a, a financial point of view in teaching youngsters and people in school as well, you know, you've done it a few times, haven't you, mm. Ryan, where you've yeah. gone into the schools, talked to them about mortgages, investing, where to put your money. I do it with my seven-year-old daughter. I constantly talk to her about how she should save her pocket money, where she should put it, and all of that to try what's, and What's she invested them. in at the moment? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get her into the crypto. I'll get her into the crypto at some point. Um, but yeah, you know, she's, she's holding on to her money now because she's slowly starting to understand you know, the things that I do and the mistakes that I made. And this is a seven-year-old girl, right, that's already starting to save money. And that's what I want to instill in her and making sure that when she gets to her 20s, she's got a pot of money already there. She's not spending her money, you know, on things that she doesn't need. Oh, she's still got to have a good time with that, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's about teaching them what, what needs to be done. I mean, in schools, you know, if... People we, like Mike we, didn't we go found, into schools. We found a, a massive 
difference depending on the school that we go to of the interest level when mm. when Ian or I have spoken about running a business about the property market or about what a mortgage is and how to get one and how mm. you're affected is um we've been to some okay state schools and talked for about 60 minutes and had no questions back and I did a pub I did a girls public school last year and I was basically held to ransom for about three and a half hours by eight 16-year-old girls who just fired questions at me for three hours. The interest level was absolutely unbelievable. Mm. And I don't, whether it's it's because it was just that day or whether it's because it was a slightly different demographic where you sure their didn't parents have like double maths afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> their teacher literally cancelled the next lesson. They just carried on. It was Definitely it was yeah. 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 yeah it was it was it was it was eye opening that they were much more open about asking questions about money and much more interested in mm. questions about money. Maybe because they come from families where money's been made or parents yeah. were entrepreneurial yeah. or business owners rather than uh, yeah, yeah yeah and that's where it comes down mm. to you know set the example for your kids teach them about money and then hopefully when they get to the age of buying their first house they can do it all by themselves because mm. you know i'll take more pride in doing it yeah myself mm -hmm. rather than relying on someone else to get it yeah. to yeah. get it for me so the, the biggest one that i see that that people overlook and it's easy to overlook is is spending and and things like store cards um but not necessarily just that i think that the way i always think about it is if i'm coming up to a mortgage application and i'm spending money i always have this kind of image in my head of a person with a little clipboard Every time I go and spend <laughs> something, because people are still kind of surprised how far back lenders will ask to see your bank statements, yeah. and and that is to see where that money is going. Is there any committed expenditure that's going to places that you you perhaps didn't mention? Or, I mean, really that that should be done by us, obviously, when that mm. comes in, that information comes in, and and often it can trip up applications in terms of the information that somebody gives you straight off the bat, and then you have a look through their bank statements, and all of a sudden you think that bit there is going to have an impact it, it might not be when you look at the criteria you think it will still work it's just going to decrease the amount that that you can borrow mm. um and i think that's something that people st start to think about too late mm. um so you know if if somebody is getting in contact and and i know that then that application doesn't need to go in for another six months one of the things i'll say is all right think think about what you're spending your money on um and and think about you know I can see you with a red pen on their bank statement. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to go. That's got to go. It's perfectly acceptable things. Um, but there's things that will raise questions and, and slow applications down. But um, I always, I always find that, yeah, especially with things like gambling and uh, yeah, and things that will be picked up by lenders. Uh, I, I do think that is sometimes, you know, a really easily avoidable issue when it comes to the mortgage. And I think people should should really start to think about that six months in advance often longer you know often yeah. not often but in certain situations you might a, a lender might ask for more mm. um they might ask for um more years of, of pay slips proof of yeah. uh, bonuses and things like that so it's just about being honest up front and and making sure you're putting yourself in a situation where you know it's, it's almost like one of these conduct things isn't it you know if you if you're in a, a position somewhere will you say the same thing if your boss is over your shoulder 
Uh, and it's, mm -hmm. it's the same sort of situation. Will you still spend that money if you know that there's going to be an underwriter looking at that bank yeah. statement? 300 quid this month on, on gambling websites or so-and-so, at what point are they going to say, we're going to treat some of that as committed expenditure because you do it so often? Um, so it's just about being careful. And I think understanding that, you know, one of the points that, that we talked about a little bit earlier was going directly to a lender and, and using a broker. And that sort of ties in to which, which broker would you go to if, if for a particular situation, which broker is going to look on, you know, Tom's application more favorably than others? Because mm. you could think actually these, these guys are offering a great rate. You go to them, but you don't really match the criteria. And yeah. not every um, applicant is going to look through the lending criteria of each um, lender and, and match that to themselves and, and often put themselves in a situation where they have an application declined, which is obviously- Yeah, there's, there's, there's the typical aspects of being self-employed. Some mm. some lenders will be favorable and some just won't won't take it whether you're a contractor whether you're commission paid whether they take all of your commission half of your commission in, or whether it's the average of the last two years so sometimes you have to prepare for for two years to apply for a mortgage with other banks you just don't yeah. got a quick anecdote about buyer sentiment from my holiday last week i managed to go on holiday everyone just, just well done case jamie's listening he talks about holidays every week well done he's in for the rest of the year we, now. Uh, he's not going away Obviously, being an estate agent, whilst I was on holiday, I, I did a little research on the local property market where I was, which happened to be in uh, the UAE. And I used to live in the UAE. So uh, I put a little call into Emar, who is a master developer, and just said, I'm interested in the property. Um, from the UK, business owner, um, got a deposit, ready to go. And um, he said, well, we're launching a building tomorrow. Um, you can buy a one, two, or a three bed. Which one would you like to reserve? <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know anything about it. And he said, what do you want to know? Prices would be good. Said, oh, do you want to know the prices? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and how do I pay for it? Well, it's over a, over a three or a four year payment term. I said, can you get a mortgage? He said, hey, why would you need a mortgage? <laughs> I said, well, so I just, I just pay in, in, in chunks until the building's delivered. Yes. Does anyone get finance? No. And I said, well, okay, tomorrow's probably a little bit soon for me. He said, because they're going to sell out tomorrow. <laughs> and he said, well, we've got another release in the future. I said, what's that, next year? He said, no, this is the UAE. That'll be next month. <laughs> and we'll sell that out as well. So are many British people buying? Loads. Mm. And this is and what was, Mike was, does in his spare time oh, on 100%. holiday. It's what, every, it's what every estate agent does in their spare time on their holiday. Don't, 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 don't pretend that you don't look in estate agent's windows when you're on holiday. And it just reflected to me that whilst the media will talk everything down and give the, the cost of living crisis, which I totally understand if you're on a fixed income, things have got more expensive and you're being squeezed. But the amount of cash... That seems to be, I'm going to use an awful word, sloshing around the economy. <laughs> it just blows my mind in some cases. That that was his opinion. He was like, you've got 15 minutes on this call. What do you want to reserve? Forget, I mean, I'm not originally from the UK and I find that to be a uh, similar case in the UK. You, you have a 10, 15 minute viewing of a house and, you know, you, you're often up against other people and you have to make a decision then, are we going to offer on this one? And is this potentially where we're going to spend half a million quid or, or mm. more or less? Mm. 
whatever. Um, so it's it's the same kind of thing. It's just shortened down, yeah. as I suppose. But it's in, and I think the real driver of that is buyer demand. If there wasn't any buyers, you could probably have a viewing. You could have a second viewing. Mm. And I remember what it was like, you know, working in a state agency off the back of the last recession, um, where you would have a second viewing and a third viewing, <laughs> yeah. and maybe a yeah. viewing <laughs> with your builder. <laughs> but there's Before nowhere near you're... that supply. But now. but now it's yeah now the the difference being is that the buyer demand is is still there and the supply yeah. isn't so you're still often put in a situation where you have to make a quick decision um, and, and it's, yeah. the the best bit of my anecdote I missed was where you said you're from the UK yes what's your budget seven eight million dirhams. <laughs> Just assumptively that I had 1.2 to 1.3 million pounds to spend in cash on a property that hadn't been built yet, which says it all to me. Do you? No. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Next time. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the Investors Corner. I'm going to try and get an estate agent from Dubai on to uh, to talk us through that next week. That's good. And we'll see how we get on.